today on Tea and Teaching. I've always talked about it as our Trojan horse. It's kind of what gets us into a young person's life as the initial hook. And once you are in, then it's like suddenly all these things jump out of the Trojan horse, which are really intensive therapeutic sort of mentoring that the young person gets or a social emotional curriculum, which is grounded in youth culture and young people's passions. We we have to work in partnership. And, and, and the first thing that we do with young people, one of the first things is we communicate about is the FEB triangle, which we say to the young person, you're in the middle of this triangle, but we aren't just this one point of a triangle that doesn't connect with anyone else in your life. On this triangle is home, school and us. And we will all work to support you and help you be your best self and, and get the best out of you over the next few years. I think as a broad principle, relationships have to be at the heart of of school policy and behaviour policy particularly and teaching and I think we build at FPB we, we build transformational relationships with young people and we do it through a number of different ways Welcome to Tea and Teaching the educational podcast you can listen to with a cup of tea I'm Arthur Moore and with me as always it's Mike Howell hi Mike Hello, Arthur Moore. The first pod of 2023. How are you? Oh, new year, new me, Arthur. Always. It's always a new me, Mike. Do you want to hear who we've got on the pod today? I'd, I'd like the old you and a great guest, please. <laughs> so today, uh, Mike, we've got Salon Andy Hickman joining us uh, from Football Beyond Borders, an educational charity that helps young people across the country Um I'm going to leave it at that because we're going to hear so much about the absolutely awesome work they do. So listeners, go and get a cup of tea, sit down and get ready to listen to Slon from FBB. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. We're here with Salon Andy Hickman we're from Football Beyond Borders. Uh, Salon, welcome to the pod. Hello, thanks for having me. Our, our absolute pleasure. So I'm sure many of our listeners don't really or may not know about FBB. Uh, do you want to give us a little introduction to kind of who you are and then give us a little intro into Football Beyond Borders? I will. And and uh, well done for getting that that exactly right. We've had many so much. Mis- mispronunciations of the name Football Without Borders, people thinking we're sort of a Doctors Without Borders mod- model. So maybe we've got we've got to learn a bit more. And adapt to that feedback and change the name. Um, but yeah, in essence, uh, Football Beyond Borders, uh, we're an education charity. We work with young people who are passionate about football. Although I wouldn't say that's exclusive and we'll probably dig into that, uh, what that actually means when we talk about our young people. But our mission statement is they're passionate about young, fo- young they're passionate about football, but they're disengaged in their education. And we support them to finish school with the skills and the grades they need to successfully transition to adulthood. So we do it through really long-term intensive provision built around relationships. Um, and in essence, we believe that all young people deserve and should have a trusted and consistent adult to support them through the very, very difficult period that we know is, is adolescence for, for a lot of young people broadly, but particularly difficult for young people who have had adverse childhood experiences or um, instances of developmental trauma growing up. So we hold ourselves to the outcomes of improved social emotional skills um, and their GCSEs in English and maths. Um, we, we, as I said, we're really long term as well. So we, we work in partnership with a secondary school and we will um, go in, start working with a year seven or a year eight group, usually year eight, although we've got some, some additional provision this year for year seven. And we will work with that same group of 16 young people all the way through till year 11. And then we also have a bit of a, wraparound post-16 service for them as well um so yeah I guess it, it is all about that that relationship and with a consistent and and highly skilled adult to work and help that young person navigate the, that period of, of adolescence in order to not get excluded from school stay in the same school develop their social emotional skills that we know are really important for a happy and fulfilled life to go and build their own relationships but also to get those critical GCSEs in English and maths, which we obviously know are such a protective factor in, in where they go next. And you use football as kind of that, that midpoint between 
the experienced trained adult and the young person as kind of that 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 bridge to help those conversations start and stuff yeah I like it framed like that I, I've always talked about it as our Trojan horse it's kind of what gets us into a young person's life as the initial hook and once you are in then it's like suddenly all these things jump out of the Trojan horse which are really intensive therapeutic sort of mentoring that the young person gets or a social emotional curriculum which is grounded in youth culture and young people's passions suddenly they've got this trusted adult in their life sitting in the back of their maths lesson observing and giving feedback to them to how they can regulate better in the classroom suddenly they are sitting in a reintegration meeting and their same practitioner that they've known for the last two years is supporting them with supporting mum or dad with uh, the head of year and the young person in the heart of that and Football is very much the entry point and so many things come come out of it. Football plays a role in our methodology. So part of the full school day that we're, we're in with a with a uh, our particular group or, or a few groups in a school, part of that day is a two hour session and that can kind of come in, in curriculum time or outside of curriculum time. And we'll do an hour in the classroom and then an hour on the football pitch. So we do these social emotional projects and the football pitch element is about so in the classroom we teach uh social emotional skill explicitly so take like self-regulation for example as, as one of the five casal skills that that we take and we'll teach that skill through a metaphor or a, a kind of culture that the young people are excited by and interested in so for example for our boys curriculum we we do that through a module called perfect penalty where we look at like Harry Kane, we'll look at him, step up, taking a penalty, and we'll watch loads of videos. We'll see the kind of regulating techniques that he does before he takes that that penalty, a big deep breath in and out. And we start linking that to a bit of mindfulness work with our young people. And then when we go out on the football pitch, that's the time to show and demonstrate and learn from those really difficult feelings and exciting feelings and things that happen on a football pitch when you're so free and then we reflect with young people on their practice and say well how what we've just talked about in the classroom how are you then linking that onto the football pitch and demonstrating that and one step further is how do we link that back to school so when you're in a classroom and you're triggered by something how do you use those techniques that you saw and harry kane did and you practiced in your football session to then regulate yourself to be able to stay in that lesson and not escalate the behavior yeah as sounds amazing um as a PE teacher who works in a relatively deprived area i can visualize the impact and i can visualize the, the sort of students that you're working with and i can see how how much of a, an impact that would have on their their school lives um i'm interested how do you identify the students you're going to work with is it a referral from the school is it a case of you know you guys sitting down with the school and saying you know is, who is it this term or this year how does it work yeah, it's a partnered approach. So we we go in as a partner of, of that school and we want to become really embedded in the schools that we work in. In essence, where we work best is as an extension of the school's pastoral team. So we don't make decisions unilaterally, particularly around the young people we work with. The school, the teachers know them the best. We will go in with an enrollment criteria and our enrollment criteria is a mixed one. So we started off this journey about, you know, 10 years ago and we were just working with the most at risk it was boys at the time so I'll just speak about boys but we just worked with the most at risk boys and there's loads of learnings from that in terms of how you set positive group norms how do you inspire uh like intrinsic behavior change without role models in a room etc cetera, etc cetera. so we revised that that enrollment criteria about five four years ago now and it's a mixed criteria so we've got two or three in that group will be uh, role model students. So their role is really, you know, behaviour in school is great. They're usually good at football and tend to be quite popular amongst peers and teachers. Their role in that group is to really um, set the group norms. They're, they're there for positive praise. We, you know, we, we really work with them to influence the rest of the group. You then have uh, the bulk of the group, which we identify as kind of passive learners who are not on track to get their GCSEs in English and maths. You sit down with any head of year, they can tell you who those who those young people will be in year eight. Uh, and then we have, you know, the five, six of that group who are our most at risk young people, most likely to get excluded from school due to a number of factors. All the statistics and things, you know, preschool meals, looked after children, 
all the statistical analysis of, of who is more likely to get excluded from school, it's that combined with what the school know about them and their experience maybe in year seven or their uh, older peers experience in the school and all those different markers that we know will increase their likelihood of, of maybe not making it through school. So we'll work with them to identify that list. But I think what's really important about our methodology is that when you work with just, it can't, we're really asset-based in our practice. One of the most important things that we do is we go into classrooms with young people and we first meet them and throughout their journey. And we, we really concentrate on what they're good at, what they can add to the world. What is it they bring? What makes them special? What makes them unique? What's their, what's their super strength? And how do we build on those things and, and develop them? But also how do we help others around them in school communities? How do we help them show that their best selves to the teachers that they might have fractious relationships with, et cetera. So they can't come onto our program thinking I'm on this because I'm not good enough or I've been labeled X, et cetera. Labels are really, really damaging for our young people. We would never talk about it, them through this kind of language. And the, what, so, so they come into this mixed group and what's really important is that we do a launch assembly in all of our schools. And we will say, look, this is what Football Beyond Borders is. It's a movement. It's 2,000 young people across the country. You can meet footballers. You can go on these amazing trips to Wembley. You can work with amazing brands like Nike. You get a Nike t-shirt, et cetera, et cetera. And suddenly they're like, I want to be on that. And, and you get overwhelmed with applications. We'll have two very simple questions. Why do you want to be a part of the FBB? And, and what will you bring to the, the FBB family? We will then work with the teachers to say, well, these are the young people we want to be on this program. But instantly, as they step into that room, they have earned their place in that space. And we're able to to use that with them in a really asset based way. Like lots of people applied for this space and you've got it. So therefore, instead of being that kid that's always told you're not good enough, you're getting a negative phone call home, etc. Already you step, you step in on a really positive note with that young person and you channel that energy for the next few years of their journey. Yeah, absolutely. Like we're in education but we know the impact that needs to have on those students and the importance of supporting those students coming at this from someone who's not in education um might be saying it's always the naughtiest kids they always get the most help they get to meet footballers but they're the naughty kids at school they get these trips they're the naughty kids at school we know sitting here why you do what you do mm -hmm. but can you just kind of explain how important it is and how much impact you have on those student lives and then how much impact they can then go and have on society as a wider kind of uh group yeah it's it's a really fair challenge and it's one that I've heard a lot um being a practitioner doing this work for the last five years now I've heard it so much in schools where I've you know taken taken a young person and and they've gone on a shoot with Nike or something and then you come back to school and suddenly it's like well why does that kid get that they've you know they have uh you know got x amount of behavior points or you know they're really difficult in my lessons why are they being rewarded and I think that's where it probably comes down to the relationship between the school and FBB and the practitioner and I think we we have to work in partnership and and in the first Thing that we do with young people one of the first things is we communicate about is the FPB triangle which we say to the young person you're in the middle of this triangle but we aren't just this one point of a triangle that doesn't connect with anyone else in your life on this triangle is home school and us and we will all work to support you and help you be your best self and, and get the best out of you over the next few years so that partnership between FPB and school is so important for that constant information flow of how that young person's doing and also, what we do in terms of them getting rewards and opportunities is we drive extrinsic behavior change at first through rewards and target setting. So you get that FBB t-shirt if you meet your behavior targets and you're reducing your behavior points week on week in your school. And we will create you an FBB report card, which will be all branded and different to what might be what a school report card looks like give the young person a sense of pride and ownership in that we will co-set those targets with classroom teachers with form teachers and with heads of year and there will be a real sense of well, well your teacher's got to tick all of those off so that then when you come to your FBB session on a Thursday I can sit there and say wow you know 
that means brilliant you've earned your spot on the trip to Wembley to watch England play next week for example so we have a very clear rationale for who kind of gets opportunities etc that's the often the critique we you know sometimes we're met with in school but it also when we do get that critique it's it's a lack of um we're not we're not doing our jobs correctly as FBB in a school if teachers or others are saying well we're just rewarding bad behavior because then we aren't communicating about what the intervention is and why it's important and how we how it needs to be delivered from an outsider's perspective young people are just growing up in harder and harder and harder conditions in this country you can't talk about young young people's behavior and the behavioral challenges that you see in a classroom in isolation without looking at the systemic problems that have led to young people growing up in poverty more likely than ever before having to choose between heating your house and food on the table families working two three four jobs to to be able to pay for cost of limit living crisis the conditions in which our young people are growing up more trauma than ever before more adverse childhood experiences ever before and that is stratified massively by your identity where you're born etc so it's not a fair start in life. So if we're talking about this in an equity conversation, the idea that you have to provide you have to provide more and dismantle more barriers for those who have faced more in the starting of life, then I'm very comfortable with that conversation and, and having that argument with someone because yeah, it's it's a pretty it's really bleak world and time to be a young person. I, I was a new labour toddler child like sure start the things that the the provision that was available for me growing up as a child there is none of that for our young people now and what we see is is the manifestation of that in a classroom you can't take a kid who hasn't eaten a proper meal for a few days hasn't been told I love you for a few days because they might not have seen a parent hasn't had a hug and maybe hasn't had good quality sleep for numbers of various reasons. You can't take that child's behavior in a classroom of maybe being triggered and flipping out and leaving the classroom in isolation and blame that child for that behavior. It's coming from somewhere. And, and often that is, you know, this cup of trauma that is completely filling up for a young person every day. And they, they need additional provision, support, training, trusted adults who can help relieve some of that trauma just to be able to stay in that classroom absolutely and like not putting that into place for a student first of all it doesn't help the student in the slightest if we just say crack on get on with it or if you can't meet our our policy then you go you excluded go to another school because that's just going to be a cyclical process and then wider and I guess in society like the the more work we can put into those students the more support we can give them the more barriers we can break down the more of a positive impact they're going to have on the wider society so it's mm-hmm. that that process isn't just going to keep repeating itself generation after generation as well so it has a, a wider impact it has an impact on the individual but it also then has an impact on everyone within that community as well Definitely. And you you talking there reminds me of one of my probably most most quoted pieces of writing or or theories that really helped me put this into perspective and and really also give the fuel to keep doing what we do, which is um, a a friend of mine wrote a piece called um, it's about the psychology of mattering. It's by a guy called Luke Billington. And it's about how young people are kind of growing up in a world where they are consistently told that they don't matter through through a myriad of different symbols. It can be the fact it can be the negative phone call at home. It can be the get out of my classroom to structural things that are we're going to close your youth club down on the on the on that you used to go to on your road because you don't matter. Actually, I'm I'm going to uninvest from you and your life and your experiences. So there's loads of things that are communicating to a young person that they don't matter. And actually what happens then, the, the the extreme end of that and what we see quite a lot is young people who are excluded from school. There is there is no, well, there are probably, but I would like to say that one of the biggest 
symbols communicating to a young person that you don't matter is that you you can't exist in this school community anymore we we've run out of things to support you to stay in this school and suddenly they're removed from everyone that they know any adults that they did have trusted relationships with their routines their environment the uniform everything that they knew suddenly is like sorry you can't be here anymore and that for me is the experience that we exist to prevent because you're just this the psychological impact of that that is why you know a large part of the reason why so many young people who are excluded from school then don't do well in Peru's. their outcomes are terrible they don't get uh their gcse's in english and maths let alone other subjects they often end up turning to other sources of community that tell them that they do matter which might be more detrimental communities and then that that pathway you know we we know the school to prison pipeline exists that pathway to prison is accelerated massively because they're like they've, they've given up because the society they see it as the society's given up on them and i think if you flip that i think to mike your point around how much they can give to the society and how much they do have to offer to the world. It's like young people that I have worked with who have been dubbed the hardest, most difficult, not going to succeed. There's no point in even trying. Like the fact that we even speak about young people like that, it, like is not the world that I want to live in. But th those young people often are the most creative are like have such brilliant minds are very very quick but often very funny charismatic have wonderful lateral thinking skills often are super uh, sporty artistic have so many talents yet for a number of reasons aren't able to offer that and and I think it's at this point really really important to say that schools are so stretched so squeezed underfunded it is so difficult for teachers to be expected to be the classroom teacher to do the attainment stuff the welfare officer to support them the community organizer or community help and support to be that person on the phone for, at the end of the phone when mum needs help there's so much strain on a teacher on a classroom teacher these days schools are not at the moment best prepared to support our most vulnerable young people and what they their needs are in schools if we address that problem as a society as a government as a you know department for education if we say what is it that young our most vulnerable young people need to thrive in mainstream education it is additional support so much additional support for schools so that burden is lifted upon teachers and that those young people get the time and the care and the thoughts and the patience and the the opportunity that they need to thrive in that school I think Mike that is a beautiful point to take a biscuit break so I think we all need a, a moment to just kind of take in what you've said there so long because there's so much that's it's so true and when you were talking about the students there I'm sure every single teacher a student popped up in their mind I know the student I'm thinking of it came straight to mind. Um, as you said, quite funny. One-to-one um, -one was an absolute fantastic character, but for any whatever reason, um, found it hard to engage in that kind of classroom environment. So, Mike, should we take a biscuit moment? Um, Mike can go and get his uh, digestive biscuit. And listeners, we'll be back in a moment. So go top up your tea, get a biscuit, and we'll be back in a moment with Salon. <laughs> Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Um, Salon, when I was kind of, when we got you ready to come on the pod and we were having a little chat and I was making some notes on um, what we should maybe chat about, the, the question that came to mind, I'm going to put ahead here that this is not the question I want to ask, but there's a reason I'm going to say this, is what could, what should teachers learn from charities such as FBB? That was my original kind of thought. And what I was thinking, I actually think that's completely the wrong question. I think you've answered a lot of why that's the wrong question, because to put that on teachers, on individuals mm. is is too much. Like it's too much for teachers to kind of be outstanding classroom practitioners, which we've spoke a lot about, Mike, on this pod on how to use different aspects of pedagogy to be a better teacher. 
So my question is more kind of what can schools learn from what FBB does? What can we do is we can go wider education sector, but if we keep it at schools and just before I throw that question to someone, I just want to say the way you talked before we had the biscuit break, there were so many things you were saying. I was like, I've heard those in school meetings, like exactly kind of what you're talking about and the way you kind of go to tackle those problems. And I just like, it was brilliant to hear someone from outside kind of the classroom, the world of schools that we live in, like to say exactly the same thing, but just coming from it from a slightly different direction. Um, so my, my question really is like, if you could go into a school and say like, this is what I want you to learn, like the ideal world, like what is that thing? Big question. Ooh, it, it is a big question. Um... I would say as well, just I've come from a family of teachers. My mum was a uh, head of sick form in a, a state school in Luton in, in Cardinal. It was called Cardinal Newman. And um, my grandma's a teacher. She was an art teacher. So I've spent a lot of time in and around teachers. So I think that plus the combination of being in schools and, and really learning from schools over the last five years of me doing this and working in a number of different schools uh, around South London that is i have heard these things as well within within staff rooms or, or staff briefings but they often rely on the leader or the the head teacher who really buys into this or the assistant head or the senko who who is really thinking about attachment theory trauma-informed practice they're the moments and the places that i've that i've experienced there it's not a universal thing which that reflects you know how we set up schools or or what schools are mandated to do what are the statutory requirements of a school and how the dfe could maybe that's the question is what 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 systemic change do we need to have what what can they learn and i think that for me really really it really comes down to i could i could take this in so many different angles i think as a question i'm trying to work out what what I think is at the heart of it I think as a broad principle relationships have to be at the heart of of school policy and behavior policy particularly and teaching and I think we build at FPB we, we build transformational relationships with young people and we do it through a number of different ways a lot of that is informed by therapeutic principles, counselling techniques. Some of it is informed by just being situated in football, by being connected to a young person's passion that might be really enthusiastic about football and us being able to come in in a, in a full tracksuit and ha be able to build a relationship with a young person on a different level to what a teacher might be able to do or might find limits with their practice. And then because our staff have the they've spent time in schools they've been trained by ex-teachers we you know we are head of safeguarding was a, a safeguard leader at school for uh however many years we've got our director of programs who was ahead of year for seven years because of that then then they are equipped to then have to build the really strong relationships with the school and, and work in partnership so i think the thing i'm going around the houses here a little bit but make space for relationship building which is a really easy thing said as you know the external fbb oh look we can bring you to a football match and talk to you about man city but and actually the pressure on a teacher is i've got to get through this curriculum and i've got to then do all my marking etc cetera, etc cetera. it's it's a different vantage point and I, I and i think we're in a privileged position but if by centering like we ha we have a, a a department for education that issues behavior guidance which is completely contradictory to what the own government's commissioned evidence-based Education Endowment Foundation is recommending placing relationships at the heart of behavior policies, go and build transformational relationships with young people and your behavior management will follow. You will get to know these young people and you will get the best out of them. And our government is issuing behavior policy that is punitive, uh, three strikes and you're out, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't work for a lot of our vulnerable young people. So I think, yeah, relationships at the heart of it for schools, but also make time for, to reflect on your practice, our practice as adults working with young people 
and understand our relational dynamics and the way that our experiences of certain situations and our own histories with trauma or our own histories with education are impacting our practice. I think that's a really important thing. Social workers, they get supervision. Therapists, counselors, they get supervision. Why the hell do teachers who burden so much of the load that comes with working with young people, high needs young people, vulnerable young people, which we're seeing more and more of, why on earth are we not providing at a, at a national policy level, systemic level, why are we not providing these teachers with space to decompress, to let it out, reflect on their practice and, and have that space in a supportive community to say, what did you experience today with that young person? I know you find that young person really tricky. Let's talk about it. How did you feel? What came up for you? How did they trigger you? How did you respond? There's no time for it, no space for it, no investment in it, in, in education. And that's one of the things we've we've started to do over the last two years because we've got this team of in-house counselor, counselors and trained group psychotherapists. We have been working with our partner schools to deliver reflective practice groups with teachers and so for some schools have selected to go for their senior leadership teams and we work really closely with their senior leadership teams and provide them with that space to reflect on their practice fortnightly for some schools we they've gone we want all of our nqts to be on to have this reflective practice and them to work it out so we work on that kind of different levels but that for me is like we are all human we are all wired in different ways and we are all triggered in different ways we working with people is complicated exhausting emotional and beautiful and fulfilling in so many ways but it has all of the the hardest things to do in it and unless you provide spaces to work through some of that to feel seen to feel heard to decompress to let it out like I remember my mum coming home from I'm going off on one now but I remember my mum coming home from school out from work when when she was in her last few years of teaching and the the stuff that she was coming home with from her her sick formers was so heavy and she'd just be she'd just be like in bits and she'd be like I've got you know five six seven young people anytime one experiencing homelessness one experiencing various forms of abuse in the home one involved in county lines and she's taking all of this on and she's trying to help every single kid all the time but she had never a space to work through any of that and what we was doing for her internally never apart from like my dad on the sofa right or like there was never that that provision for her and I think schools and by extension, I think the DFE and the, and the government need to really seriously invest in supporting our teachers to support our most vulnerable young people as best as possible so that, one, those young people can thrive, but two, wonderful teachers stay in the profession supporting those young people throughout that journey and can be that consistent adult for, for our young people. We did a, a pod probably over a year ago now, all about the need for supervision for teachers. Uh, so listeners, if you want to go and listen about that, that's an episode with Jenny Bowers. You can go and find it all about su supervision in education. Um, Mike, you wanted to jump in there? Yeah, I get such mixed emotions when I listen to you because it's so inspiring what you're saying about education. I think you'd struggle to find a teacher out there who doesn't agree with, with everything you said, but it makes me sad at the same time because... We, we say this on the pod quite a lot, after, I know I do, is that students need to know that you care before they care what you know. Mm. Um, we use that one but, in FBB too. Oh, I love it. And I've just ticked off my Mike Harrell bingo list. That's it. I'll try and get it every, every episode. I think it was uh, actually an American president who first said that. Was it? Like coined the phrase, because it was used in an FBB staff residential training a few years ago. And I was like this is wonderful who said it i'm sure it was pretty yeah. sure it was mike harrowell first the equivalent a credit is to myself i've been putting memes out there all sorts um but it makes me sad that we all know this and we all want to build these transformative relationships with students but there are so many constraints you just touched on there like there with the time the finances you know anyone involved in education in the last 10 years has just seen the money drain out of education i mean mm. one of the schools i worked in we used to have two full-time counselors and they i guarantee that school doesn't have any now 
Um, and the impact on the students is, it, it, it's, it's immeasurable mm. because you can't say, well, that affected their grade by this much. Of course it did, but how did it affect them as a person as well? And I, I think it's amazing what you guys do as a charity in terms of going in and giving that extra capacity to schools to give that relationship focused support to those students. I mean, that's that's really what we try and do. It's one, we believe in the inherent power, potential and brilliance of, of young people. But two, we understand the landscape of how difficult it is for our schools to be to provide everything they want to provide for the, for those young people so we try and fill a gap and we're not doing our jobs right and unless that partnership with the school is is really really strong and we aren't teachers we aren't well we have we have a lot of ex-teachers in our in our staff team working as practitioners but our expertise aren't in attainment teachers are wonderful at that we would never claim those things what what we try and do is support those young people to be in the best possible position to then access the learning that they can and change their behavior change their attitude towards learning no understand that learning is cool we were really influenced by um PBL at the beginning of, of what we started doing project-based learning and having a public product for every single curriculum module that we do and ensuring that there's a real life audience, whether that's our, our social channels and our, you know, tens of thousands on TikTok and loads of young people were getting really excited about being able to showcase their poetry or their written work on our TikTok or doing that real life showcases. And we do an annual showcase every year at the Tottenham Stadium, which we do in partnership with one of our sponsors, Gillette. And we bring 500 people from around education, sport, football, policy, brands, culture, creativity. We bring them all into this space and we just have this youth-led showcase from start to finish. And it's like, welcome to the world of a young person. And we have, you know, we have young people get up and perform. We have them tell their stories. We have them lead interactive immersive sessions where adults are the kid and the young person delivers what an FBB session feels like and gets you know a 50 year old grant funder from uh, some education grant funding machine to sit there and, and speak to a 13 year old about their anger and how they're going to channel their anger into writing a poem and they do that alongside each other and I think there's this there's I think what FBB can do when we're when we're really doing our best work is is taking lightening that load for teachers and bringing in those kind of transformational experiences that you just you can't put your you you can't like plan for or pay for like as a as a school you and we can lean on the glamorous world of football to really bring in some exciting and amazing things that get that more buy-in from the young person but also can you know just before Christmas, we took a uh, hundred and two hundred young people from all of our programs in the West Midlands to St George's Park the day that the England men's team flew to Qatar, and they had a it was with Nike, and they we had basically like a festival of football, and they had forty minutes with the whole England men's team to ask whatever questions they want. We got one of our young people to be a presenter and got to stand there and ask. Harry Kane, Jordan Henson, Mason Mount, all these questions. And we brought all our teachers from our um, West Midlands school to this for a whole day at St George's Park. And every kid got an England shirt. And being able to do that for a school partner and say, like, you know, come with us and, and experience that to drive towards behavior for learning, attitude to learning, keeping that young person in school is like, yeah, a really unique privilege that we can draw on by having one foot in the football world and one, one foot in education. Mike, can I throw a question to you? Because uh, you've always been more senior than me at every school. Um, a common thing that maybe we hear a teacher say in this situation, um, and I hope I've never said it, I hope I've never said this, but a student is getting taken out of our lesson to go and work with someone, let's use FBB as an example, and I as a classroom teacher will say something like, oh, they keep missing my lessons, uh, how am I expected to get their grade? How am I expected to get their grade if yeah. they keep missing my lessons? Mike, you're 
the SLT member who's been working with FBB, like how do you like convince me as a teacher to not come and see that as a negative? Uh, so long your reaction, which the listeners can't see, said absolutely everything there. Oh, yeah. I'm there. just thinking of a Spanish teacher and the school I worked in in Croydon. And every week I had to take these girls out. And every week it was, well, how do you expect them to pass Spanish? And I'd be like, oh. I hope I've never sorry. said it. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if I have said it at some point because it's such a it's such a thing. I'd I'd be annoyed at myself if I had said it. So I apologize to anyone who's ever said just that. Just show them the hard data. Our young people are twelve times more likely to get their GCSEs in, in English and maths than kids who get excluded from school. Just there you go, Mike. I'm I'm here with well, you. <laughs> you know straight away getting excluded from school is that's it. First once a student's been excluded, the vast majority do not turn back from that and do not turn it around and, and become successful but I would say it's short-term sacrifice for long-term gain like are you willing to sacrifice a unit of your work and a student not understanding it for them coming back and being a much better student and starting to really engage with education and but I, long I'd division say, Mike they, they need to know long division otherwise they'll never do anything Oh, how are well. they gonna how are they gonna do long division when their their cup is so full because they are worrying about mum who's ill and and dad who's not there and uh they didn't get to eat breakfast this morning they were late for school they're already yeah, really triggered they're then worrying about what's happened when they get home they go they pick a little sibling up and then suddenly you're there saying long division and they're like oh I can't do the long division I'm just so worried about everything that's going on in my life and what I'm supposed to be responsible for at the age of 12. I just need someone to talk to and offload that and then I can come back and do the long division. The story that comes to my mind, Salon, uh, like is I'm going to bring my three-year-old toddler into this. And quite often his behaviour is, let's say, challenging because he's a toddler. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy in that situation to say something like, he is a bad, he's a bad child. Why? He's being bad. And what I mean is, his behavior is bad. I'm not saying he is a bad person. And I can relate this to my students I've worked with. Student who is acting out in my classroom, it does not make them a bad person, a bad student. It just mm. means their behavior, for whatever reason, is not meeting my expectations. Yeah. And the solution to that is not to kick them out of my classroom, it's to try and get to the core of where has that bad behavior stemmed from? Mm. And it sounds to me is that that's where FBB is focusing on. And football, as like I said, again, it's just a way of having those conversations. It's a way of getting those students through the door or applying or whatever. And I think that's what's really inspirational about what you guys do. And I would advise everyone, go onto the FBB website and read some of the testimonials. Go onto their YouTube, TikTok and watch some of the videos because they're phenomenal. Like just seeing some of these students on the football pitch being like, there was one in one of your YouTube videos where a student says, like, just for this moment in the week, I've got a bunch of friends. I'm getting emotional. A bunch of friends on the pitch. Um, and it may only be for an hour, but for that hour, I've got a group of mates to play football with. Mm. And that just absolutely cut me apart because I was like, that shouldn't be a thing. Like, mm. it shouldn't be a thing to go down and play football with your mates. But it was. And, like, just what you guys do is just... It is education. Anyone who says it's not education is fundamentally incorrect because it is education. It's just not sitting in a classroom doing simultaneous equations. And I love sitting in a classroom <laughs> doing simultaneous equations. Like I literally live for that. Mm. But just to say, this is how a student needs to learn. And if they don't learn in that way, I need to write them off. Mm. It's not what we should be about. Um, so I went off on a bit of a rant there. Like, no, thank you, Arthur. That was really beautiful to hear. And I think you're, yeah, I was tearing up a little bit there when you when you relayed that because it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's an experience. I think at the heart of it, it really is just relationships are such a powerful thing between adults and young people, but also between those young people themselves and like creating that sense of community and and a, a place of belonging. Like ultimately, we all just want to belong. We all just want to feel safe. We want to feel loved, we want to feel seen, and we want to feel like we belong. And if we can create that for that that period of that young person's life, then we're doing the right thing. Because that is where, you know, we have, we've got groups 
I worked with a group for four years from uh, year eight all the way to um, year seven, year eight, all the way to year 11. If I ever get married, those girls will be at my wedding. Like the relationships are so deep with those girls. I know uh, everything about their lives, their families, you know, what keeps them up at night, what they eat for breakfast. I've spent so much time with them in so many different environments. And I was there on GCSE results day and I turned up to school and they um none only one of them came with a parent and they all turned up on their own and I said to each of them do you want me to stand next to you do you want me to stand over there do you want to you know what what do you want and they were all like no no, no be, be with me when I open the, the envelope and I got to share that moment with every single one of them every single one of them bar one got their GCSEs in English and maths. Some of them flew. Some of them got nines and eights across different subjects. Some of them who were never expected to pass got got the fives when you open that that sheet of paper. I was crying. They were crying. One of the girls got like nines and eights and I had to translate to her mum who was there being like, this is incredible. These grades did not exist when I was at school. I couldn't have got those grades had I tried she is honestly one of the top one percent of kids in the country to get that grade and being able to be that almost like translator that have those moments with those those girls was something I will never forget like I just cried on my bike the whole way home when I was cycling back and they that what what it was was that sense of community I looked around and I saw these girls who had a such a strong sense of sisterhood and they were girls that would never never have been mates like had had fbb not come into their life at a formative age when they were they were working out peer groups and things like that and then they don't share masses of interests they don't look the same they don't sound they don't sound the same they don't listen to the same music all these kind of things but they are bonded by this experience that we went through over the last four and a bit years we did also have a pandemic in the middle of it very bonding um and ultimately at the end of it they've got their GCSEs in English and maths to go and do what they want to do next. They're all at different sixth forms, different colleges. I'm actually taking one to Cambridge University next month for to meet some academics and say, like, if you want to go here, you can 100% go here. They've all got the social emotional skills, the self-awareness, the social awareness, the ability to make decisions, the things that will allow them to thrive. And most importantly, they've got a group of friends and someone that will always be in their corner should they need me when when they're when they're 21 25 whatever but they have this group of friends that they went through something with in school on the football pitch at a football stadium on a tour on a residential that will stay with them for life and that is the power of relationships that they will always have to draw back on and say that was a really special time and I'm really glad I got to do it with those people I think that's the story we should wrap on so long because I think that's that's what it's all about like that's what it's all about uh Salon thank you so much for your time if and I'm sure this is going to happen if any teachers or head teachers or people who are not educators who listen to this pod want to find out more about um FBB want to find out more about Salon Andy Hickman where do they go uh football beyond borders uh org is the the best place our socials tw- uh at football beyond borders on twitter oh no at football beyond borders on instagram at f beyond borders on twitter uh and linkedin is also a good place to find us just search us on there um if you're a teacher or you know someone working in a school that you think we'd love for us to have a conversation about fbb coming to a school we currently work in london and, and sort of ken essex uh, we work in the West Midlands with a HQ in Birmingham, and we also work in Greater Manchester and a bit of Merseyside, um, in the Northwest, we call it more more broadly. So, um, yeah, they're the areas that we're in at the moment, but, you know, we will expand to future regions in the future. So don't feel put off if you're not in those regions. Um, and then me, I'm at Salon Andy, Andy with an I uh, on all socials. Just an absolute pleasure, Salon. Like, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening. Uh, good luck with the rest of the season. We haven't mentioned football at all. Apart from football education, we haven't mentioned professional football, your football career at all. So good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you. Um, we'll see you pleasure. down Champion, Champion Hill on a Sunday. It's the place to be. Uh, <laughs> listeners will be back in a moment. 
Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Mike, what a way to kick off the year. Oh, such an inspirational podcast. I uh, just yeah, just Salon, thank you so much for your time. Like there's so much to take away there. Um, what they do is absolutely phenomenal. Please go onto the website and read some of the testimonials and watch some of the videos of students because it is absolutely inspirational. Mike, takeaways. Could list loads, but what are you going for? Oh, so many. Um, I think really resonating with me how busy we are as teachers and how time constrained we are and how resource constrained we are at the moment. But just about building those relationships, just taking that extra minute to ask a question about a student's weekend or how they are or noticing that something's different about them and not just passing it on to a form tutor ahead of year, actually asking those questions and building that relationship. And we can all do that. We can all spend a couple of extra minutes a day speaking to different students and, and building those extra relationships um, and just being really mindful of that. What about yourself? For me, it was the way Salon talked in that first part. She, she could have been talking as a a member of the school's pastoral team. She said, we we just see ourselves as an extension of the school's pastoral team. And I thought that was brilliant because so often we, sometimes in schools, we're not, open to other people coming and helping us because this is how we run our school but what FBB do and the way Salon talked about it is they just come in and they support the school with their students and that's an awesome thing so just coming in to support the school I just think is absolutely the way to go about it um yeah just an absolute inspiration just what really enjoyed that absolute privilege that we get to speak to these people Mike yeah an amazing charity and and having such an impact on education it's just amazing that they're there to support us in our jobs an absolute privilege uh mike thank you for your time as always salon thanks for your time uh listeners please let us know what you think of that episode uh and we'll be back again mike goodbye goodbye arthur thank you for listening to this episode of tea and teaching if you've enjoyed the content of this episode please feel free to share it with other educators and if you're able to, please leave a review on the platform. And as always, thank you for listening to Tea and Teaching.